weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is a special pre-recorded episode of The Magic Mike Show. Mr. Samich. I don't know. Do I do a huzzah for the recording one? I don't even Why know. Not? It's been so long. Huzzah! There we go. Hey, episode 392. We're doing something special. The cross-country pick five. Mike, there's so much great at stakes action happening all over America and beyond. We decided to cover all of it. So we're going to Woodbine. We're going to Saratoga. But, of course, it's Haskell week, and we're going to Monmouth. And you literally are going to Monmouth this weekend, buddy. Yeah, it's kind of wild, man. I've never been to Monmouth. Really excited to go check it out. I'm going to be on ABR and Breeders' Cup live show there from, I think it's 4.30 Eastern until about 6.30 or so. So we'll be on the air for about two hours live uh, from Monmouth. Can't wait to check out the track. Kind of a bummer I'm leaving Saratoga, but I think this is a pretty darn good reason to do so. But, yeah, Saturday, this is Saturday's handicapping. Look at all those freaking races for Saturday. It's wild, man. It's it's 11, 11, 14. Plus, you have me doing one more at Woodbine for no reason. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have a lot of races to cover over the weekend. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun, man, having Del Mar back, too. I cannot wait to get that track going again. I, I love me some Del Mar. Traditionally, I had very, very good Del Mar meets. Uh, so I'm excited to get that back. It's interesting to see our buddy Bob Baffert back in the PPs here, sprinkled in yeah. those Delmar ones, as well as the Haskell, which we're going to talk about. It's interesting to see Peter Miller back, two people who will be contending for a Delmar training title, which is freaking wild. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm excited to have the track back, although there are a little, let's just say a large black eye right now over it right now, so we'll see what happens. Listen, you know, it's been an interesting day. Uh, it's been an up and down day. You can see right before we went live, I spilled water all over because I was trying to get one last drink of water. Mike, let's just get into it, buddy. The cross-country pick five. For Saturday, July 23rd. Let's get going, buddy. Riders up. All right, Mike, we're going to be talking about the cross-country pick five. For those of you who don't know, there is a 50-cent base bet. It's just like a traditional Naira uh, pick five. There's a 15% takeout rate, so we get to that nice player-friendly takeout. Uh, they also have free pass performances courtesy of Equibase. You can find a link to download those, even if you don't have any other pass performances. It's in the description of the video, so go ahead and click on that. Follow along with us, Mike. First leg of this cross-country pick five. We're starting at Monmouth Park. Race eight is the grade three Monmouth Cup there. Seven older horses going a mile and an eighth on the main track. Chad Brown's mark is all over this card, uh, or all over the sequence, especially the card at Monmouth Park, Mike. It starts here where you've got Highly Motivated, and you've got Pipeline, a deadly one-two punch for Chad Brown. Yeah, it's pretty tough. And before we dive right into the sequence, I just want to remind you, everyone, as well, this is a sequence that you'll find in your ADW under cross-country pick five. So it is a separate sequence, separate track, essentially, when you're looking down or scrolling through the track list. So let's look for the track cross-country pick five if you do want to play it. Uh, these have the tendency to pay out well if, if you're able to get around some favorites. Uh, I'm going to be pretty chalky my ticket is just thirty dollars and it starts out with one of those classic situations we always talk about this on this show if you have a three to two shot you have a six to five shot and they're your top picks to the horses you like and you don't see an easy way around them 
You got to pick one or the other. You cannot play both if you want to be profitable long term. You got to pick one to single. In this case, I'm going to single the seven highly motivated for two reasons. First off, look, Pipeline's last race was phenomenal. Like you can't really get around that. Runs a 104, looks absolutely massive. It's a seven horse field, broke from the rail, never really contested, was able to just kind of run away from the field. Did come home in 25 and change for that last course. That's, that would be the one thing I'd be concerned about, but never really faced any pace pressure. Today, the waters are just so much deeper for Pipeline here. Yes, I know he ran a scar mile, but didn't really wasn't really involved in that. Today, you've got the five-horse King of Dreams. You've got uh, the two-horse Top Gun Tommy, who both want to absolutely send. Informative's got some speed from the three-hole as well. I think Pipeline's going to be pressed early. If Pipeline gets pressed early, this race just really sets up well for Highly Motivated. And Pipeline doesn't get pressed early. Highly motivated still has tactical speed. It's not like he's going to be a million and a half lengths back. I think that's really that really to me is the, the big difference here is that you don't need a pace meltdown for highly motivated to win. If Pipeline takes any pressure, it's going to be really hard to hold off a horse like highly motivated late here for him. Yeah, I got a $36 ticket, Mike. We're both in the single highly motivated. I didn't even look at the uh, the morning lines when we were when I was handicapping. Uh, and then I looked and I saw 32 and 6 to 5 and went, well, that's not right. I shouldn't do both of those. Um, I think if you're going to single, you got to pick one of the Chad Browns here. To Pipeline's credit, uh, he dueled inside of a horse last time out named Jerry the Nipper, who's a Todd Pletcher horse who always tends to show up in, in allowance races like that. Uh, I was a little worried that that 104 buyer for Pipeline was a little inflated, but Jerry's next two buyers, he got a 92 for finishing a close third, and then he got a 91 for getting that victory. Um, the third place finisher in that race won at the same level next out with a 95 buyer. So I think the 104 is legit. It's just a matter of is this going to be Manny Franco on Tribuvan in the uh, – in the Manhattan Stakes this year or Manny Franco and Trivion in the Manhattan Stakes last year where he got caught. So uh, we're both going to ride with highly motivated third off the bench, third start at age four, going two sprints to a route. Feels like these are all of the right movements here. Um, I was a little worried, Mike, with highly motivated. He might be better at one turn, but his dam was a two-turn turf route winner. It was the only victory I believe she had in her career. So, um, you know, I like that going for as well. And it's worth noting, it's a Klarevich homebred. That's Chad Brown's top owner of all time ever. It's very important to Chad Brown that a Klarevich homebred does very well in races. I'm not saying he's going to make sure that she's better than Pipeline, but he's going to make sure highly motivated is absolutely at her A game here, Mike. Yeah, I 100% agree. And the, the Bluegrass is a mile and an eighth, and this horse just missed to essential quality, who turned out to be a pretty darn good horse in its own right. Uh, your eventual Kentucky Derby winner, you know, 13 Belmont months later. Oh, Belmont Stakes winner. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There you go. I was thinking of the other, I was thinking of the other uh, Brad Cox horse. Anyway, um, and on top of that, and this is this is actually an interesting Clarevich horse. They put this horse at auction, and it actually sold for $240,000 to Clarevich Stables because they wanted to buy it back because it didn't go for more. Uh, so it was also a homebred that they said, you know what? We're not letting this horse get hit the minimum, but we're not letting it go for 240 And they jumped in and bought it back, and it's been a, a pretty good uh, buyback so far for Clarevich, earning 377000 here, and we're, we're early in that four-year-old campaign. Look, I agree with you. Maybe you could make a case that two turns is an issue, but to me, this is just – I can't take three to two on pipeline. I just, that's just way too short against a horse like highly motivated. And there's not anything else in here. If you want to make a case for like rough C, maybe you could do that, but let rough C just beat flowers by Lisa, who is a struggling horse in New York. who had to ship out of New York just to be able to be relevant again. And now here we are at Monmouth. Like I just, it's yeah. really hard to make a case for anything, but these two and to me, highly motivated is a clear option. There is nothing that I love more than fading a horse that wins a five-horse field going two turns on dirt by 10 lengths on the, like, 
that to me is just like, are we sure that was Monmouth and not Santa Anita? Well, it was July night. Santa Anita wasn't running. Okay. So, yeah. Don't about and that, that. That's your third favorite in this race, folks. That's that's the number three pick. <laughs> Let's move on, Mike. The second leg of the cross-country pick five and really cross-continent uh, because cross now we're going up north to Woodbine for yeah. the grade two cup. This is race eight on Woodbine's, court, uh, Woodbine's card. There's 14 horses in this, Mike. They put the rail all the way down to zero because they need to be able to have 14 horses going seven furlongs on the outer turf course. And if you're looking at the stars, you've got a grade one winner in Cheryl Spite who stuck all the way outside in post 14. The horses that were one, two in this race last year are in post 13 and 12. So you kind of got a little bit of a mix here, a little bit of a mess where you're going on top. Yeah, I think you could have some fun in this race. And I, in a sequence that I think is pretty darn chalky, I think you got to try and have some fun in this race. So I'm not going to use the 14. I'm going to hope that, that the post is just too bad for the 14 and that we can get around the 13 i am going to use the 12 so i'm gonna stop there on the post slandering uh give me the three horse chewing gum on top uh, this is a seven-year-old for bill mott's barn that is, is coming off the layoff here but this horse has fired well off the layoff in the past so i'm not that worried about it uh running the last six races five of them graded stakes and two of those has run very well including the jiper and then the hernandez last time out at santa anita look I like this horse's form right now. Mott's 24% off the layoff, 25% when we're adding Lasix, which we're adding back for this specific race, which is nice. Um, I, I, you know, Declan Carroll is interesting, but that's a pretty good jockey up there in, in Canada, so I'm not too worried about that. Arrest Me Red, the horse he ran, who beat him two and three back, done very well. Gear Jockey, another horse that's ran very well recently. Like, the, the past performances say this horse fits right around here, and I think the pace is going to set up well here for Chewing Gum, who's going to enjoy the seven furlong trip. I mean, we're going to have... A pretty swift pace early, and this is one of those big turn, long stretches that I think is going to favor some of the closers in this spot. I'm going to lean more toward closers. I think chewing gum at six to one is a good price to kick this thing off. Yeah, this is almost my top pick. Uh, second choice for me here. You outlined everything. I mean, this horse faced the best turf sprinters in the country that were not named Golden Pal last year. That's the only horse that's missing from his past performances. Bill Mott in the last five years, when he takes a horse from a long break like this into graded stakes, so not an easy spot. We're throwing you right into the deep end. Uh, four for 18 in the last five years, including getting a grade one win with Yoshida a few years ago. So Bill Mott, Hall of Famer, knows what the hell he's doing. Um, my top pick, I don't believe you use, is not even on the screen for you right now. It's the nine, whoops, definitely on the screen now. The nine horse, Silent Poet. Uh, yeah, you didn't use the nine horse. So nope. um, this is a horse that has uh, got one style, which is go to the front and try to hold on. Uh, I thought the horse drew pretty well. There is, you know, a, a good amount of speed. I think this horse is as fast as anybody but he's, I don't think he gets a lone speed, and that's okay. Uh, he's drawn outside, but I think will be most of the other speed contending with him. And remember, he won last year's grade one Highlander over this course, uh, going six furlongs. Uh, he's 10 for 18 lifetime at Woodbine, three for six at the distance with the runner-up as well. He won this race two years ago. You look at his form, and it's like, okay, it doesn't look like the old guy holds on as well as he might, but I think we're going to catch everybody sleeping here at eight to one in the price. I love Justin Stein on this horse too. He loves horses that go fast early and uh, he fits his horse well. Yeah, Justin Stein, excellent, excellent rider. I love me silent name, uh, the sire as well, Son of Sunday Silence. We always talk about that Jap Japan Sunday Silence bloodline. Here's another grade one winner out of that same bloodline. I just have a feeling that that seven furlongs is too long. That was my big issue. Yes, he won this race two years back, but you look at the two seven furlongs efforts since both of them, he set the pace, ended up running fifth. That was my main knock. And like I said, I think there's other speed in here, which is going to hurt Silent Poet a little bit. Uh, my other must use is a horse that may be on the speed, may not be, that you've used in the past. And I don't think you're using today. Filo de Ariana. Uh -huh. No, no Filo de Ariana. But I will give you plenty of credit for saying the name perfectly twice. Congratulations. <laughs> That's not an easy feat. 
<laughs> I appreciate it, man. Look, we both love this horse of Keelan in the Shakers Town. He, she, 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 she he. he, he sucked. Uh, okay. Uh, we both like this horse a little bit. The Jiper, he sucked again. You know where he has not sucked? Woodbine. Oh, Canada, right? I mean, like, he has crushed it twice in Canada now. And that we have that seven furlong race, gets the 95 buyer, just runs over the, the field there, and then comes back and sprints on the synthetic going seven furlongs, breaks from the gate, and just never looks back going 45 and two for the opening half mile, and comes home in 122. Pretty good time for seven furlongs as well. So I, I think this horse just really likes Canada. Cassie does better in Canada. Uh, you know, you got the top rider. Here at, at Woodbine, four to one, not a bad price considering everything else that's in this race. Uh, the seven and the three were my first two horses here with Chewing Gum and Philo de Ariana because I think both of them have a legit shot of getting it done here. Both of them, four to one and six to one, not bad for most users. You know, I didn't uh, I didn't use because I'm afraid this horse is going to be too over bet in a 14 horse turf sprint. Um, I don't want Cheryl Spite at three to one from post 14, just like you don't. The post doesn't bother me for the seven. I think it's it, it shouldn't be an issue, especially if he breaks just like he did in that that synthetic sprint. But uh, I couldn't use this. I'm afraid this horse is going to get too over bet for where I'm going. I did use one Mark Cassie horse. I went all the way to the rail. I used my old buddy March the Arch. Uh, Patrick Husband's is not Mark Cassie's top rider when it comes to overall wins, but he is the top rider for percentage. They win 30% together at Woodbine. And also the only rider Mark Cassie uses regularly with a positive ROI at 223. And that's over 142 starts. It's not a small sample size for these guys. Uh, no stranger, this horse is no stranger to being a major factor in these one-turn Woodbine races. Remember, one turn on the outer turf, or sorry, one mile on the outer turf is one turn at Woodbine. So he actually, if you look back at the form, uh, four starts going one turn, all of them grade two or grade one races in the last two years at one mile. Got to win a second and a third. Two for two going two turns on Woodbine's turf. So clearly another horse that likes being at Woodbine. The worst two and three back hint that he might not need a race to knock off the rust because that form fell off pretty quickly at the end of last year. Uh, the Pegasus World Cup, I, he didn't really belong there. Um, that was a swing and a huge miss there. So I'm hoping that the time off, those works two and three back tell me this horse has still got something there. We'll see if he shows up. It wasn't my top pick, but I think at 10-1, to 1, this is a good place to use him. Good pick. This is my number three pick here. I, I actually like the post, drawing the rail, because, you know, March the Arch isn't going to break really well or really quickly anyway. We're going to have to to make out a trip. But six races over this Woodbine turf, three wins, one second, one third. Love me, love me that factor, because, we again, we have a long stretch. I remember when we were shitting all over March the Arch back in the day. It's because <laughs> this horse made got himself in trouble every single yeah. race. They were two-turn races without long stretches. You know what we have today? A one-turn turf race with a long stretch, and it's not a six furlong or five and a half. We get the full seven, which I think favors March the Arch as well. He wants to go seven furlongs mile, maybe even a mile 16th, but he wants to go one turn. I think that is the most important part of this, and that long stretch, that wider turn, that all to me favors his running style. So I think the one at 10 to one March the Arch here is a solid price. I think I went Cassie crazy here because I'm pretty sure I used another Cassie. I mean, there was a couple of them in here. Let me make sure I yeah, got this right. Yeah, there's four of them in here. This, the five is in here. Tap it to win. Neither of us wanted to touch him. He hasn't. He was kind of a real quick flash in the pan as a three-year-old, I thought. Yeah, I gave up on him. I, I, I used to have it to win a long time, a lot of times a long time ago. We've, we've since given up him. But give me the 12-horse Olympic runner. Now, this is another one where last time out, ran in the Highlander, didn't do a ton. But if you go back and you watch that race, the, the, the line says four to five wide turn carried out. This horse broke nine of 11, and it's a really interesting running line because we, it, he was with a, a length of the lead around the turn and was just 
sprayed wide, like just had absolutely no chance. An Olympic runner not known for a six furlong turf sprinter, generally going two turns or going longer. I like the seven furlongs today much better for Olympic runner who should be coming from off the pace. And so I think this, again, is going to set up well for Olympic runner to make one big run if he's able to tactically sit in that two or three path Swing wide late on the turn, has a long stretch to try and run these horses down. Um, and, and you know you're going to have that form. If you go back and you look, you know, the seven furlongs just missed running a 97 in this race mm-hmm. last year at Amy's Flatter. Um, and that was, again, with a, a slow start there. Then he stretched out to a mile the next two, was able to win it a mile. Um, that was the the King Edward, the grade two King Edward. And then you go to, like, the, the Woodbine Mile. You can kind of draw a line through that one in a lot of ways. Town Cruz wired the field that day. Like, this is a horse where you're now getting second off a layoff, second is a six-year-old. Cassie's got it up. Kamara's a jockey that can get him, get him, get him home in a number, and I think we're just going to be storming home late. So I'll take the 12 at 15-1 to 1 as well. He's uh, interesting off second off the layoff there. I gave him a good look. I was a little worried about the post more so than you. Um, but listen, Mark Cassie's got a bunch of – here's what's interesting. Who does Kamira ride? Because Kamira's named on the 7 and the 12, and you're using both of them. i got to figure out. Uh, who's going to ride the 12, or maybe he scratches one of them. It's a little odd that he's got Kamira on both of them. That is strange. I didn't notice that. And I don't. I did not see a first call or second call there either. No, we'll find out. Listen, this you'll have to tune back in uh, to the Magic Mike show or to uh, follow us on Twitter uh, so that you make sure you get the final tickets for this, but definitely to find out. Uh, maybe they're going to put on a bug boy. Maybe suddenly Mike doesn't want to use the 12. Uh, last one for me. I'm going completely bombs away here. I'm going to go with the number two turn of events as my last horse here, Mike. First of all, it. if you want to look at if, if you want to consider this horse, you have to be okay with ignoring the buyers because the buyers say this horse doesn't have a chance in this race. I want to counter with this horse has never been in a graded stakes race and has therefore never had a chance to have an inflated buyer. So he's getting 88s, 89s for winning all over the place at Belmont Park and these uh, uh, seven furlong turf sprints. But that's why I like him. He seems to fit this seven furlong turf uh, distance really well. George Weaver claims him last summer for $35,000. Runs him back protected ever since. He only risked him one time, and it was for $80,000. Nobody's claiming that horse for $80,000. Three of those races Weaver put him in were seven furlong turf sprints. Two of those were wins. So both of those wins have come with Weaver having this horse. Jose Ortiz, you see, rides through the claim from Trombetta to Canamasi to George Weaver. Not making the trip up to Woodbine, I understand. But Gary Boulanger is an old grizzled veteran. He'll listen to George Weaver and says, hey, do this on the horse. I think he's tactical. He's going to have to be tactical because he's not nearly fast enough to try and be on the front end here. So he's going to have to work a little bit of a trip, but saving ground seems perfectly suited for seven furlongs. And we're cutting back from a mile and a 16th too. So we should be a little sharp doing that. Again, you cannot look at the buyers because the career best buyer is an 89. That won't sniff fifth place in this race. Uh, But beyond that, I'm hoping for just a whole big jump up because he loves the seven furlongs on turf. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I actually looked at this horse for a little while. Big package, Artemis City Limits, two horses that ran 1-2 today at Saratoga, again on the turf. Two of the better, uh, you know, mid to high level turf sprinting horses that are in those N2X type of races uh, there in the New York circuit. So that race two back is actually pretty good. I, I looked at this one because of the tactical part of it. We talked a little bit about speed. We talked a lot about closers. This is one of those horses that's going to sit a good trip, should be sitting third or fourth around that final turn, maybe get first run and pull something off. I mean, that's really the, the argument here. You're, the cutback, I agree with you, from mile 16th to seven furlong should help. Clearly has no issue with the seven furlong distance. You really need a career effort here. But a lot of times, I mean, people, people say horses drop down going from Canada to New York. You could make a, a case that you're kind of, I mean, this is a graded stake, so it's a little harder to make the case this is weaker. But you can make a case that the equal levels are weaker in Canada than they are at Woodbine versus at Belmont or Saratoga. Since we're in a graded stake, it's a little harder to do that, especially with how this one turned up. But at 30 to 1, 
I don't hate you for taking a swing. You know, I mean, that, that to me is the, the right price to take a swing at. I'm going to close out this race with a swing as well. I'm going to go to the 10 horse white flag. Um, this is another one where you're probably going to need to run close to a career best effort, but we're two for two at the distance uh, with 93 buyers, our high buyer there. We're one for six at Woodbine with three thirds as well. So I'm happy with what uh, the Woodbine form. This is one of those where I think that you have a pretty tactical horse. And I get Fukumoto, who is my favorite jockey for bombs at Woodbine. This guy is able to find a way to make things happen. I love me that 40, 47 bullet work on July 17th setting up for this. I like the fact that Roger Atfield well, is a 15% trainer, 18% overall for the year, 15% at the meet, 22% in graded stakes with a positive ROI. How often do you see a trainer's percentage go up in graded stakes? Not very often. He doesn't do it like crazy. This horse has back races that are close, is tactical. I'll take a swing with the 10 at 12 to 1 white flag and see if we can get a bomb in here. I would like to know what Roger Atfield's stats are with that when he doesn't have uh, Pink Lloyd included in the. Uh, in the well, but he's a positive ROI, though. Pink Lloyd is, not, is a short price every time he runs. So you have to get some long horses home for a positive ROI. That's the key. Yes, I, the percentage thing, I'll agree with you. Yes, Pink Lloyd helps balloon that a little bit. But to have a positive ROI. Robert Tiller. I have, Roger Atfield, I apologize. Robert Tiller had Pink Lloyd. No, Roger Atfield. There you go. Full credit. <laughs> this is the great part about doing this doing this on record. You just cut this whole thing out now. Not going to. We do this <laughs> live. We make mistakes. We're going to keep it in there, Mike. Uh, good good uh, use there. By the way, it's worth noting, Roger Atfield, also the trainer of Cheryl Spite, your three-to-one favorite platoon out in post-14. Uh, listen, if you're going to use the two of them, I think that's the better one to use because you're getting a good price. A horse that loves the distance and Cheryl Spite has one at the distance, but I got some question marks and we'll see what happens. Mike, you ready to move on the third leg? Yeah, I'm chalking out way too hard in the rest of this thing to play that 14. That's really that's really the bottom line. <laughs> that's all right. Listen, I'm with you. I think this is the one race where I'm taking the biggest shots as well and the most shots. And if you like other horses we didn't talk about, I mean, Woodbine is known for creating some really big bombs. So if there's anybody you like that we didn't use, go ahead and throw them on your ticket. We're going to move on back to Monmouth Park, Mike, for the third leg of Saturday's cross-country pick five. Race 11 is the grade one United Nations stakes. A field of 10 older horses going a mile and three-eighths on the turf. We get to start midway down the backstretch for this race and go three turns around it. So who crosses the wire first as they go by the second time? Man, you're going to laugh at me here. I'm putting Gufo on top. I mean, this is We're finally getting about what we should here. I mean, I didn't want Gufo as the favorite. Now I'm going to get 3-1, to 7-2. to I think it actually might float up to somewhere around that 4-1 to land, and that is when you want to be betting Gufo, not when Gufo is 9-5 to or 2-1 to or any of those type of prices. Trapuvon was 17-1. to Is now your 5-2 to favorite. It makes it a lot harder to use that horse on top when you have a, a, a what is that, 4 of a, 5x or half it was divided by five the odds like that's that's crazy like, like it's in this field yeah it's it's definitely a softer field let's also admit that this is a softer field than what what both trivuvan at hamo and gufo faced last time but there's speed in here and speed that i feel like has to send to be competitive and i think that is a problem for trivuvan who was clearly lone speed last time and was able to go i mean yeah went fast the whole time but went 49 113 didn't didn't get that crazy push of a pace there i think carpenter's call specifically the two horse is going to cause some trouble for trapuvan who i think ends up in second here and i think that kind of shuffles the deck a little bit um i think it sets up well for gufo i'm going to go with the 10 horse gufo on top uh I listen. I, I have this thing where I just I can't play. I don't like to play him. I don't like that he's drawn so far outside here, though he is a, a closer. So as soon as they break, Rosario will probably just steer over to the rail, save ground going to the turn there. Uh, I look back at the Manhattan, and 
you're right. Trip even had that dream trip. Um, I'm also sick of getting beat by Manny Franco getting dream trips for Chad Brown. So I am using him. I'm, I'm going to talk out a little bit and use both the Chad Browns, but um, I don't love it. But it, it, I've been beaten too many times already this year, and it's July. I feel like I've I've learned my lesson too many times. I'm going to start biting the bullet there. For Gufo, he is a great closer. You're going to get a lot more pace to chase here. But he also didn't out hoof Adamo, who's my top pick. Uh, Adamo was a horse that loved running long when he was, you know, a younger horse. He was going a mile and a quarter, mile and an eighth, won four straight to start his career, stepped up to the big levels in France, didn't quite keep it going. But you see he was facing St. Mars Basilica, Magna Cora, Pretty Tiger, Dubai Honor, lots of good horses overseas. Comes over here and almost wins his debut for Chad Brown. And then he goes to Churchill Downs. And like a lot of uh, Chad Brown horses, really didn't seem to love the Churchill Downs turf. Uh, a decent third, but you see he was six lengths behind the top two horses. Good horses, but he shouldn't have been six lengths behind. Then we see an improved effort in the Manhattan Stakes. Uh, not the most ideal trip, but to me, this has to be the horse that's the reason why Flavian Pratt's in New Jersey. He does not have a mountain to Haskell, which is bonkers to me, but, you know, this is just, to me, putting Adamo in here with Flavian Pratt coming to New Jersey with Tribuvan, who won this race last year uh, with, a, you know, with Flavian Pratt in the saddle. I'm going to go three deep, and I'm going to bite the bullet and take the two jab rounds on top. Yeah, you know what, what you and Adamo have in common? We both had the same number of wins this year. Well, that's that as well. I was going to say you're both a good hang because you're Austin to hang out with, and he loves to hang in every race he runs. You know, that's just kind of how it is. I, I cannot this – is, this is your Rock Emperor. You don't know it yet. You'll figure this out later. I used to play Rock Emperor when Rock Emperor was 3-1, to 7-2. and be like, hey, look, Rock Emperor, got a shot. Love this horse, you know. It's in there. It's in there. And then eventually Rock Emperor gets 15 to 1, and that's when Rock Emperor wins. And that's when you should be playing horses like this, not when they're sitting on the board at 3 to 1. And that to me is the biggest issue here. I cannot come up with an excuse why Adamo has not won any of those three starts. Like, well, Tripuvan, fine, yeah. freaks last time, right? Okay. So maybe you can you can say that's why there. But the other two, like they weren't that tough of fields. Probably was the best horse in both those. Can I can I blame Churchill for the two back loss? Can I blame the track? <laughs> so you're trying to okay, okay. So you're trying to blame the track for the two back loss. What about when he hung like a mother <laughs> at fairgrounds and lost a cavalry charge? Who that was a hard one to explain, other than Jose Ortiz no longer has the mountain. I'll, no, it's not Jose Ortiz's <laughs> fault. You're right. The horse has a problem with hanging. Um he but listen, Rock Emperor gets one win a year, right? And almost gonna get one win a year. Let's see if it's here. Uh yeah. you singled in here, right? No, I, I ended oh, up going three deep. I did. Oh, I, I, I ended up using. I used Tripuvan as well because I do respect the speed, and I, I I think Tripuvan is a good enough horse to win in this spot. Um, and then we both used the three horse Temple as our other horse here. Who I think I think it's kind of interesting that we both landed on that horse as our other horse. I think Temple has a chance to be a very tactical horse in this spot. I think that's one of the big points. That, one of the big reasons I like Temple should be sitting right behind whoever that group is. That's going to be right out in front. I'm watching Saratoga right now, and the seven's going to get nipped at the wire, isn't it? Oh, come on, buddy. Stay up. Oh, just win a bob. Oh, we won a bob. All right, the seven got home. Uh, I think Temple's going to sit a, a very good trip in this spot. I think you got to throw out that last race. It was Look, it was a mile and a half. I don't think he has an issue getting a distance of a mile and a half. I think the problem was they went so slow in that middle that when they quickened, that's just not his game, and Gufo was able to beat him. If you go back to that race, two back, where he sat close to the pace, and then was able to pounce at a mile and three-eighths, which is today's distance, able to get the job done, run 100 buyer. I, I think that Temple has a shot to get it done here, and I respect the hell out of Maker. Anytime he puts horses in these longer turf races, he's got Glen County as well, not going to use the seven, but I do think the three has a legit shot at getting it done here. And the three would balloon this pretty good because a lot of people are going 1-4-10 here. 
Yep. And so if you can find a way around those, I think really the only logical one is that three, then I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to try and get that home and see if we can get a price. Yeah, uh, you nailed all the points that I like that effort two back in the McDermott stakes at Gulfstream Park during the championship meet, going this distance with Jose Ortiz aboard the first time. Uh, I, that exact trip is how I envision. That's how he's going to have to get the trip to, I think, to win here. But if he just did it two races back in a grade two against some really good horses, Mike, why can't he do it again here? I think this is a great use for us. Um, so we, we disagree with, with one horse, but we definitely like uh, Chufi then despite the price and Temple at a price at six to one there. Uh, let's move on, Mike. The penultimate leg of Saturday's cross-country pick five, race 12. We're staying at Monmouth Park here. We've got the grade one, tbg.com Haskell Stakes. We've got a million-dollar purse for eight three-year-old males going a mile and eighth on the main track. And a berth. Got to put on my Breeders' Cup hat. Breeders' Cup Classic berth on the line. Who you got going in this one? Oh, man. This is another one where you got two horses. One's named Jack Christopher. The other's named Taba. They're both headed to the Haskell. You can't really use both. Because seven nope. to five, three to two, you really got to pick one or the other. God, I hate this. I'm taking Tava. Give me the two horse. I, I this is one of those spots where, as crazy as this sounds, Tava's the more proven horse in this race. Um, which again sounds nutty because Jack Christopher has looked nothing but phenomenal so far. He's never won around two turns. The horse that he beat was Papa Cap. <laughs> Going one. That's it. Like. End of the list. It was pop cap both times. Um, yes, Jack Christopher should be able to stretch out. But uh, you have more question marks with Jack Christopher than you do with Taba. Taba's coming back. And let's talk about just narratively here for a second. Why in the hell would Bob Baffert ship this horse to Monmouth if this horse was not loaded? Right? I mean, yep. you just got off suspension. Yep. You you clearly have a, a thing about being right, just the way that you respond to all these allegations. You care about your legacy. You've won this race nine times. Yep. You don't really ship your B horse here to get blasted by Jack Christopher. Whoever you're sending is ready to go, and you can infer that however you'd like to win this race and run a big effort. And then you look back at the Santa Anita Derby. The Santa Anita Derby, around two turns, ran down Messier, probably one of the better-looking races all year, you go to the Kentucky Derby, just draw a huge line through it for basically every horse. Like it, the Kentucky Derby is one of the worst data points we have year in and year out in the three-year-old class. People put way too much love into it when you have just a very unique situation that you shouldn't have. So with all that being said, to me, I trust Taba and Baffert more than I tr trust Jack Christopher in this spot. I'm getting a little bit of, I think on race, I'll get a little better of a price. I can't believe it. Tava is actually the favorite here. So give me the two, Tava. Uh, we're going single to single them up. So uh, that, I was going to ask you, who do you think ends up being the favorite, Tava or Jack Christopher? You think Jack Christopher ends up being the favorite? I think I thought Jack Christopher was going to be four to five in this spot, and Tava was going to be eight to five, two to one, something like that. I'm, I'm shocked that it's seven to five and three to two. So the last uh, last seven times that Bob Baffert had the favorite in the race, he also won. So uh, I did not single Taba, but I did use Taba. And I tried, Mike, every reason to not use Taba and use Jack Christopher instead. But, uh, I mean, I think Jack Christopher, from a pure talent standpoint, might be the most talented horse in this entire crop. But we're talking about nine furlongs. We're not even talking a, a mile and a sixteenth. We're talking a mile, a mile and eight. Like a mile at two turns, a mile and a sixteenth at two turns. Sure, I'll consider him. That actually, I think getting to nine furlongs, we know Taba can do it. We saw how good he looked doing it in the Santa Anita Derby. Um, Jack Christopher, I, I'm with you. I really hate that I'm using him, but you outlined it perfectly. Why would Bob Baffert send this horse here? I mean, he had the Los Al Derby that he uh, just won a couple of weeks ago. 
He could have sent Taba there for that just to get a you know a nice start under his belt. He could have waited for the shared belief stakes at Del Mar later this meet, going a mile on the 16th, and just to bring him back if you want to prep him for that and then the Pacific Classic and you know Breeders' Cup from there, or awesome again in Breeders' Cup, I should say. No, we're coming here. We're shipping across the country to a race that Bob Baffert loves to win almost as much as the Kentucky Derby. So um, my one, I, one other question for you. Mike yeah. Smith traveling to ride him. Good thing or a bad thing? No comment. <laughs> Not sure. Um, I, it's probably, I guess, a good sign that you think about, you know, it, I would almost wish it was Johnny V and not not Mike Smith because of where we are. But, uh, you know, you've gotten some interesting rides and that that is a little bit of a concern for me. But like you also know that Baffert's had Mike Smith on some very big horses for him, too, over the years. So mm-hmm. I, I don't consider it a negative either. The fact that Mike Smith's flying out there, I think you have to see like. Baffert's saying this horse is loaded again. He's not telling him to fly out there if it's not loaded. And the other thing that I, I want to bring up here is you knew Jack Christopher was waiting. You mentioned all these other spots. Jack Christopher, like Chad Brown has not been shy that Jack Christopher will be at the Haskell. Yep. You knew this horse was coming here. You knew who you were taking on. And you are still, as your first major race back, sending Taba here to take him on. A horse that, by all accounts, if he retired after the Kentucky Derby, which I think some of us thought he might, um, you had a grade one winning son of Gunrunner, like going two turns. Like that horse was, he was, the owner was going to get back the $1.7 million in the breeding shed from this horse. Like they did not need to keep running him, except this horse has got the talent and the ability. And I thought you nailed that. Bob Baffert sitting there on suspension watching Chad Brown just win everything all over the place and stewing, just sitting there yep. stewing. And since he returned from his suspension, there were three three races at Los Al that he entered horses in, and he won two of them, including the Los Al Derby. Bob Baffert's not screwing around. Um, here's the thing. What if Jack Christopher can't go nine furlongs and Tabe was actually more the Kentucky Derby horse than the San Diego Derby horse, meaning that he's actually not that good? Cyberknife, to me, is the one that I think is the most logical choice. At six to one, I'm going to use him because I think he's going to get ignored. I'm going to get a great price on him. This might be a great exacto horse, right? You might want to go two, one cold uh, here, but I think Cyberknife, if – the two favorites, if they both, you know, we have question marks about them. If they both fall apart, if Mike Smith forgets that there's, uh, there's something in Taiba's ears and starts chirping at him like he did with Authentic and almost lost that year, things can happen. Cyberknife uh, um, had that nice win over Secret Oath in the Arkansas Derby. We saw what Secret Oath was able to do, come back and do very well against horses, uh, the males and the Preakness Stakes, um, wins the Kentucky Oaks, like I said. But don't forget. The local prep for this race is the Pegasus Stakes. Brad Cox won that with Homebrew, who got a 97 buyer. Homebrew is still in training. I checked. He hasn't stopped working out, but he's not in this race. Cyberknife is. Why is Cyberknife here and not Homebrew? I think that if Brad Cox thinks Cyberknife is sitting on a huge race here, I love the aggressiveness with him. I don't love that he had to be all out to beat freaking Howling Time by a nose, but from a pace perspective, that race wasn't really setting up the way Cyberknife needs it to. This race, there's more speed. I think it sets up well for Cyberknife. Again, it might be best to do a 2-1 straight exacta, but a 6-1 to one with it being Brad Cox, Mike, I gotta, I gotta squeeze him in there just a little bit. Yeah, look, I, I don't hate it. Like, I, I kind of liked Aaron's take on Cyberknife when he was talking about this horse heading in the Kentucky Derby as a possible horse to play underneath, and that completely fell apart. And like I said, the Kentucky Derby, literally the worst data point you could have in pretty much... So, but next time there's a 20-horse field with a 21 opening quarter, you can talk to me about how relevant the data point of the Kentucky Derby is. Um, so... I don't hate it. The horse should be able to get the distance. I agree. There's a lot softer spots. You could have ended up in here. 
I just don't think he's good enough. If I went to another one, it would be White Barrio because I think it sets up really well for White Barrio just from a pace perspective. Because the way that this happens is that Cyberknife goes, is that Taba goes, Jack Christopher goes, they all fall apart. And all of a sudden, the race is between one time Willard Howling time, King of Hollywood, and White Barrio. And I can tell you for a fact, White Barrio is the best of those four horses. So um, I, that would be my case for someone if we we're going to make it. I'm not really going to make it. I do think it's interesting. Rosario shows up here for White Barrio. Talked to the owner White Barrio about this a little bit. He was really excited about getting Rosario. Said he thinks he fits the horse well. I agree with him. Kind of fits the style perspective, especially with the way they would need this race to fall out to win it. So I think that's an interesting get there. Can we also talk about this just for once? The hell is one time Willard doing in here? This was a stable him up horse in a turf. You talked about it. New York, New York bred turf stakes. I said to stable him up. The winner. Of the, the first and second place horses both have come back to run well. Dakota Gold runs second today. The the uh, surprise boss runs third uh, in a stakes on uh, last Sunday. Mm-hmm. This horse run twice in the dirt. <laughs> what are we doing? Get this horse on turf again. Come on. Like, come on. Well, you can't even just look at it and go, I mean, they're just they're taking a shot going, you know, two sprints to a route with this horse because the horse already tried routing and threw in the towel at one to five <laughs> against New York bread or New Jersey breads, I mean. The Haskell practice? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, maybe it's a rule that at least one New Jersey bred has to enter the Haskell every year. Maybe maybe that's part of the deal. I don't know. And I'm glad that you brought him up because, yes, uh, Stable up number four was focusing on this horse. Keep paying attention to see if he shows back up on turf. I, I still have him stabled up for the next time he runs in a seven furlong New York bred turf stakes because that's where this horse should be. And, like, the, oh, so frustrating. Anyway, don't bet one time Willard, uh, the stable mup horse from two back. Wait until he gets back on turf. Wait and maybe this, all, maybe this is just muddying up that line so that we get 15 to 1 again next time he's back on turf. Well, we are going to go back to turf, Mike, but not a race for which he would be qualified for because it is restricted to Phillies, although it's only five and a half, so not seven. Maybe you don't want him here anyways. But our final leg of the Saturday cross-country pick five at Saratoga on Saturday, July 23rd. This is race 10 at Saratoga, the grade three caress. For 10 fillies and mares, uh, sprinting five and a half furlongs, like I said, on the outer course. I went three deep here. Uh, I thought you could have singled, but like we talked about off air, some interesting trip horses here. Yeah, I mean, this one to me was was really interesting. Look, Caravelle, we both love. I, I've loved this horse for a while. Talked about it last year when it was here at the spa. Won this race, I believe it was, last year. Coming from off the pace against Robin Sparkles, who was in form when that, that happened. And Robin Sparkles could not wire this field, and Caravelle was able to run her down. Caravelle showing a different dimension. Wins last time out gate to wire, which was which was interesting. The switch to the Brad Cox barn is a positive. He's a much better turf spring trainer than what she's been with in the past. Uh, you mentioned a stat, which I'll let you talk about, about when she's facing the girls, how well she has done. You want to inject that one real quick? Yeah, she's nine for ten when she's turf sprinting against uh, females. Pretty good, pretty pretty good. Uh, so you got her nine for ten there facing turf females. I'm gonna I'm gonna use her, and I like her on top. This is a great sequence to press if you want to. Really, if we're just being honest here, I mean, you could you could single Caravel, you could single Gufo, and all of a sudden I'm singling four of these five races. <laughs> I'm gonna spread a little bit because there was some trip issues I had coming out of that last race. And that's going to be the main reason why I'm going to I'm going to go four deep here in this spot. First off, about time, Sherry DeVoe, we've been talking about her for three years. If you've been listening, you've been making some money because she is a high percentage trainer with a low percentage profile or low profile right now. When she calls Saez, generally, it's a very good thing. About time, son, a daughter of not this time coming into form. Absolutely wonderful turf sprinter. I feel like that three to one is a nice price. I think it might actually hold right around there because I don't think you're getting five to two on Caravel. I think that's going to look more like seven to five when they go off. So hopefully we can get somewhere around that three to one price there on about time. Did you use the four about time? 
Um, I just added her in because, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I had to use Pipeline and Highly Motivated before seeing the odds. So with that change, I was able to afford to put about time in here. Cherie DeVoe, uh, she burned me pretty good the last time I tried to play against her on this show in the Wilton Stakes. Uh, you loved her. I was like, yeah, outside post, let's take a shot. Nope. Bad idea. Sheree DeVoe is red hot, which is great to see. Uh, we've been high on her. You more so than I'll give you the tip of the cap for that uh, former Chad Brown assistant. But since she took off on her own, we just kind of said as soon as she gets the stock, the graded stake stock, look out for her. She's got that graded stake stock, baby. So uh, it's good to see her. I did put her on there. Another horse that we agreed on is the five Toby's heart at eight to one. Scratch off the intercontinental. Uh, she got put to the rear going six furlongs and Carabelle went gate to wire like you mentioned. She didn't have a shot in hell. She's four for four at the distance. Got that career high buyer of 94, two back, winning the unbridled Sydney stakes, a win in the third and two tries at Saratoga. I think she's going to get ignored, and I think people are going to go, mm, Ricardo, turf sprinting. I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to use Toby's heart. I very reluctantly used Ricardo, but it, the price is wrong. Like, you know, I, I think of Happy screaming that at Bob Barker. That That is when I saw it. It shouldn't be 8-1. to one. I mean, it just it, about, Toby's heart was was a much shorter price last time out, 5-1 uh, to one out of the gate. And that, to me, is more what you should expect. I think 8-1 to one is going to look like 10-1 to one on race day here. And you'd said it. That trip, you had no chance. I mean, the horse didn't break. It was one of the few horses that actually made up ground. If you look at the other horses that were uh, in this race, that that were in that race, I mean, she ends up four lengths behind Caravelle. If you look at, like, Star Divine, who ends up about a length, length and a half back. If you look at uh, Lady Edith, who I'm going to end up using length, length and a half back. I mean, she gave them more than that and then had to go wide to be able to try and make up any ground. Toby's Hart's last race is a complete draw a line through it, and, and it doesn't necessarily say that on paper, and it really should, and not enough people watch replays, so you should get a pretty decent value there on the five-horse Toby's Heart. I'm also going to use the seven-horse Lady Edith, and this is where we kind of diverge. This one for me is, and I talked about this last week on the show, for my money, I will take Christophe Clement turf sprinting over any other trainer. And so when he gets a horse, and he does what he is doing with Lady Edith, this horse had never been in a graded stakes before. Okay, never. He gets it first time, first time out of the barn, right into a grade three. The horse goes off at 40, 35 to one, and has a legit shot down the lane to win the race. If Caravelle doesn't wire that field, Lady Edith is right there at 35 to one. Now, what do we do? Right back into the deep water, man. Now we're second off a layoff, second out as a four-year-old, second time out in in the Clement barn, and we're getting 12 to one, and we're going to get every bit of 12 to one again. This is one of those horses where, like, an improvement is not only logical, it's almost expected in this spot. And the fact that that Clement's willing to take this chance after throwing this horse in its first graded stakes the first time ever out of its stable, I, 12 to 1 to me is awfully live here. It's uh, it, it's interesting that uh, you couldn't really call this wedding funeral. Like, she was 35 to 1 last out. You probably won't be 35 to 1 here, but she's still going to be a big enough price. It's still usable there, yeah. Um, I wish that she had gotten a cleaner trip in the Intercontinental so I could know what the hell she can do with Christoph since Clement got his hand on her. But, um, you know, Trevor McCarthy's going to keep the mount. It, it feels like a horse that maybe Rosario would have taken if he wasn't at Monmouth Park. But, yep. you know, a lot of the big jockeys are out of town. Trevor McCarthy's a good jockey. He's a damn good jockey. I know he's 0 for 18 to start the meet, but it's also Sarah freaking Toga. It took Flavian Pratt way too long to get up his first win of the meet. Like, it happened. So, I didn't use, uh, but I am nervous about her. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe she's not a distance specialist. There, she had two wins, five starts at the distance, but not the distance specialist, say the one or the five might be. Uh, last one on for me, I'm going to use the three-star divine. Um, Jorge Abreu owes me for last show. I talked him up so much about the two horses he had in that turf sprint that we covered for the sequence uh, Wednesday. 
the two horses were like dead last by a country mile in that race. So the dude owes me here with Star Divine. Uh, he owes but, a lot of people right now. <laughs> uh, Johnny V is going to be in the saddle for the third straight time. I like the horse. This horse won the Galway Stakes over the course and distance. And that was the first time Johnny V was aboard. Doesn't get out of the saddle the two times that she's raced earlier this year. Both of them seconds. Uh, we talked about how Caravella was just kind of gone. Star Divine just kind of ran in place there. Didn't Couldn't really do anything. But benefiting... Caravelle, Stardivine, and uh, in your horse as well, the uh, Lady Edith, um, Jouster, the third-place finisher right in between everybody there, one next out. So she's got talent. I, I don't know if maybe she might just be a cut below still. Like, the fact she was second to Campanelli and second to Caravelle, um, she was close to Candy Flower but couldn't get it done. To me, maybe she's a little bit of a hanger, but the improvement at age four has looked good so far, and I got to trust Jorge Abreu despite what happened. Wednesday at Saratoga, it's a new day. Jorge Abreu turf sprinting. Yeah, I, look, my I went back and forth on Star Divine, especially since I'm using horses that ran behind Star Divine in that spot. For me, the, the last straw was watching the replay. Really no excuse for Star Divine and the four-pound weight shift. She's adding four pounds in this spot. She was mm. carrying 118 then, 122 now. Um, that was the last straw for me. Is it, and I know four pounds isn't a huge thing in turf sprints, but when you have this many horses that were that close last time out, they all got relatively the right trip they were looking for, and one horse is adding four pounds and no one else is adding weight. I'm going to cut the horse with four pounds that they were all right there. And so that was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. However, if you want to use Star Divine, my ticket goes from 30 to, what, $37.50. So if you want to add the three here, by all means, go ahead and add the three because I, I'm still going to have a, a very, very inexpensive ticket here because we're singling two horses that are shorter priced. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to cover a fun sequence, the cross-country pick five. Again, remember, 50-cent base, 15% takeout, thanks to Naira. And Mike said you can find that under cross-country pick five with your ADWs. Uh, you might have to put in just a tiny bit of work to find the PPs if you don't want the free Equibase pass performances. They're down below in the link. But speaking of down below, Mike, our tickets are here. I'll start off. I'll go seven with one, two, three, nine, with one, three, four, with one, two, with one, three, four, five. It's a lot of ones in there. Uh, $48 <laughs> for me. How about you? I'm going to play a 50 cent ticket as well. I'm going to go seven with one, three, seven, 10, 12 with three, four, 10 with two, with one, four, five, seven. That'll cost you 30 bucks for 50 cents. So cheap, cheap sequence here. Hopefully you can get it home. Cheap sequence. And it doesn't mean it won't pay even being, I mean, I don't think it's going to pay the 11,000 that it paid uh, last week, but you know, it still could pay, especially if we get, you know, you just got to get around a favorite. If we were looking at temple in the United nations, if temple comes home in that race, and it talks out everywhere else, Mike, we're still going to get a very nice payout on this sequence. Uh, I 100% I agree. I mean, this is the thing. Look, for 30 bucks, if we can turn this into 250 300 I, I'm pretty happy here with how this thing paid out, especially since we're going to play the favorite, Chad Brown. I think Tave is going to be the second choice. So I think there is some value. But a lot of people are going to go two by two there. And then it's, you know, if it's Gufo, that's probably a good thing. But if it's Trip Huvin, then again, the, the, the possible payout shrinks down. So we have to find prices in the Woodbine leg and Caravelle. I mentioned this earlier. If you want to get really aggressive, you can single the seven in the first leg. You can single the 10 in my mind in the third leg. You can single the two in the fourth leg. And you can try and single the one in the fifth leg. And you can tr play a, a press ticket with four singles. I like a couple prices in the Woodbine leg. I like a couple of prices here in the last leg. That's why I'm not playing an aggressive press ticket because it would get a little too expensive. It's just so hard, though, especially the way you and I handicap, Mike, to single a turf sprint with 10, 12 horses because you can look at so many horses at longer prices and find, like, there was a bad trip there, a bad trip in the turf sprints. It's everything about the trip. So uh, mm -hmm. I really thought I might single Caravelle there and, and couldn't quite pull the trigger. But like Mike said, if you want to do that, 
go ahead. And if you want to play this sequence and you don't have an ADW yet or you haven't signed up for betptc.com yet, go sign up right now. Use the promo code DUDES, D-U-D-E-S. Uh, Mike, what kind of benefit does that get you using that promo code? Use promo code DUDES. When you sign up, you're going to get $200 in bonus cash after you bet $750. On top of that, BetPTC is the home of the instant rebate. So right when the race goes official, you're going to get your rebate deposited back into your account, depending on what track you're playing, what type of bet. It can be anywhere from 2% all the way up to 10%. So make sure you check out the rebate table and see if it's eligible in your state. On top of that, on every Saturday, you've got the King of the Hill competition. There's three separate seasons. We're about to roll into season three here. The winner of the King of the Hill competition gets a free $10,000 BCBCC, so make sure you check that out over at betptc.com, signing up with promo code DUDES. If you want to play Monmouth Park this weekend, make sure you purchase the inside track to the Haskell Stakes Wagering Guide that will be available at racingdudes.com probably around the time that you are watching and listening to this. And if you're going to be at Monmouth Park, make sure you stop by the America's Best Racing Live set to check in with Mike Stomach. I'm excited for you, buddy. It's going to be a good weekend for you. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I can't wait to go to Monmouth. Would love to say hi to people, so make sure you come over to the, uh, the America's Best Racing area. I don't know how much I'll venture out, so make sure you come by and say hi if you'd like to. Uh, and hopefully we can close this out. We've got the Pick 4 and the Pick 5 live to anywhere from 2000 to 3000 bucks here at Saratoga. Would be a good way to start the weekend here for the bombs as well. So hopefully we can get that home. We're going to get out of here and go watch that. Thanks so much for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kelloward. He is at Summer Bomb 18, number one, number eight, Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Blinkers Off is out now. You can go check out Aaron and Jared's thoughts. And then tune in tomorrow and every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for Dudes Who Bet Daily with Mike Samich and the team coming in with their best bets. It's been a pretty good day, pretty good uh, last few days for you guys overall. So don't miss that one, Mike. Yeah, we started out the week hot. Uh, went two and one yesterday. Today has been tough. Aaron's ho- my horse ran second. Aaron's horse ran third. Jared had a winner though, so uh, still slightly up for the week going into the weekend. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, and, and we talk about those races that are coming up for that specific day. And, and obviously, we're going to be probably a little more horse racing heavy here in August with both Saratoga and Delmar going. And then once we roll into the football season, we'll have more football as well. So make sure you're checking out every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern. Mike's saying that like it's not already football season in Canada. Tune in for my CFL picks on Fridays and Saturdays. It'll be a good time. Until next time, I'm Magic. You're scorching hot CFL handicapper, Magic. And I'm Mike. scorching hot CFL handicapper, Magic. And I'm Mike. We'll see you Friday at noon Eastern for Dudes Up at Daily. Take care. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.